Hey everyone. This week on the show, we have Anna Reeser. Anna Reeser's short fiction is anthologized in the Best American Short Stories 2020 and is published in journals including 14 Hills, Cut Bank, and The Master's Review. She's an alum of the Kenyan Review Writers Workshops, the Tin House Winter Workshop, and the One Story Writing Circle. Originally from Ojai, California, with experience in painting and printmaking, she holds a degree from UC Berkeley in English literature and art practice. After spending several years in the Pacific Northwest, Anna now lives with her husband in San Francisco, where she does copywriting and graphic design work while finishing her collection of short stories and a novel. For this episode, Anna will be reading her short story, Octopus 7, with an original Storybound remix featuring the Bright Light Social Hour. This is Anna Reeser, and you're listening to Storybound. I'll be reading my short story, Octopus 7. Welcome to Storybound, presented by Lit Hub Radio and the Pod Glomerate. I'm your host, Jude Brewer. In just a little bit, you will be transported to an art gallery where our character Tyler has just finished installing an octopus made of wires and a steel metal sheet. His own original creation which Tyler has titled Octopus 7. Tyler caught himself leaning against the white wall and pushed back, leaving a handprint of sweat. It occurred to him that today might be his peak, but that was pessimistic and insane, something his dad would think. He'd finished installing the octopus for Art Murmur and its wire tentacles sprawled across the concrete floor. Tyler watched Kelsa from across the gallery. Her dress matched her giant yellow canvas with stylized mountains and a sun flare smeared in oil paint titled Instant Nostalgia. She was the most intimidating artist Tyler had met during graduate school, let alone dated. After this gallery opening, they'd be back in her bed, an easel just inches away, the smell of sex mixing with mineral spirits. She walked over, echoing in combat boots. When she touched a wire tentacle, Tyler felt a jolt up his spine. Looking good, said Kelsa. Did you oxidize it? Yeah, thanks, but your painting's the best thing here. She grinned, slipped her fingers around his shoulder. As the gallery owner clipped through the room, Kelsa pulled away and echoed back to her painting. They'd been sleeping together for a few weeks, and Tyler felt overwhelmed every time he saw her. And even though people said this would wear off, he didn't think it could. Ready? 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 The gallery owner's face was pinched and angular. We, we open, open in five. five. We open in five. We open in five. Tyler stuck his tag to the wall. 
Octopus 7 Steel Wire Inquire for Pricing. Each tentacle was a tight spiral of wires. The body was a cylinder of steel sheet metal he'd welded in place, then oxidized with vinegar and hydrogen peroxide. He hadn't thought of a price. It had been a big deal just getting into a show with Kelsa. they just graduated. This was the beginning. A crowd filtered in, all high-waisted jeans and vintage bomber jackets. Tyler sipped wine from a tiny cup and ate cubes of dill Havarti too quickly. Then the gallery owner appeared and introduced Tyler to an art collector with a necklace of bears carved from stones. I'm inquiring about the price, the woman said, smiling wide. One thing, could you bend some of these wires down? Can't you just see it catching on a sweater? Tyler felt the wine rise to his face and clenched his jaw. He searched briefly for Kelsa. Wires catching a sweater? Fuck no. He smirked and said, sorry, no changes. The octopus was staying as is. Shame, it's a great piece, the woman said, and turned to look at a ceramic vase shaped like a Venus flytrap. She wasn't his audience. It didn't matter. He was 25. There would be more sculptures, more shows. There had to be. The whole month of June smelled like sweat-stained sheets and Oreos. They sat in Tyler's bed in the afternoon, watching cyclists out the window on Adeline Street when Kelsa announced she was moving. I can't paint in the Bay Area now that school's over, she sighed. What? They'd moved their pieces out of the gallery just last week. Tyler hadn't done any work the whole time the show was up. He barely even thought about it. But Kelsa was a mystery, a secret overachiever. Her wispy armpit hair was visible as she put on her bra. I'm going to LA, she said, gathering her knees to her chin. I can't go to farmer's markets all day and eat expensive sandwiches. I have to try to make something. She touched his chest, tracing her finger over his concave sternum. We never go to the farmer's market, said Tyler. He could see a tentacle of Octopus 7 through the doorway, where it took up most of the shared living room. But I feel like we would. Kelsa combed her hair with her fingers. Everything in LA is yellow and dry, like the apocalypse is happening early. I'm gonna paint all the time. I found a place in Silver Lake. Sounds cool. Tyler shifted, unsure if he should make a bigger deal out of this. Well, I have to pack. I'm ride-sharing down on Thursday. Kelsa pushed the blanket away. Hit me up if you're in LA. Kelsa put on her jeans and sweater with its paint-dipped sleeve. She was acting exaggeratedly normal. Didn't make sense. How long will you be down there? Tyler said, finally. Her eyebrows raised for a second, then she said, I don't know yet. I'm just going. I'll see you around, okay? She said this with pressed lips, then leaned down, kissed Tyler's forehead nonchalantly, and left. (laughs) 
The music you're hearing in this episode was sampled from the song Enough by the Bright Light Social Hour. And now for a quick commercial break. You are listening to Storybound with Anna Reeser and the Bright Light Social Hour. And now we return from our break. I can barely hear you, Ty. Barked his dad through the phone's speaker, amplified by the curve of the cup holder. I'm in the car, Tyler said. How's that piece of junk holding up? Tyler pictured him sitting on the back porch in Sonoma, smoking an indulgent cigarette. All right, I'm driving to L.A. The old station wagon rumbled down I-5, past rectangular masses of cattle and the smog-obscured Sierras. Octopus 7 was wedged in the back with the seats folded down. What the hell's in L.A.? I thought you'd have another show lined up in Oakland. Tyler could almost hear him pacing. His dad, a writer who'd made money on his worst book, had encouraged Tyler's art career, insisting he was better off making something tangible, not just a tortured jumble of ideas. Ty, I can't hear you. It's like apocalyptic down there, Tyler said. My lease was up, Uh, two of my housemates were leaving anyway. And this artist I know, Kelsa, she just moved there. She has gallery leads. His dad laughed in a slap-on-the-back way. Or maybe he was coughing. For the past few weeks since Kelsa left, Tyler had felt half-awake, face puffy and stupid. Kelsa had texted him pictures of romantically faded buildings and sand. Phrases like, Missing the fog up north. Last Tuesday, an apartment building offset by a saturated sunset, captioned, Home, Silver Lake Boulevard and Reno Street. Friday, a photo of her wearing a translucent, threadbare, talking heads shirt. Right then, he'd packed up his room in the octopus. You have a place? Yeah, in Silver Lake. I'm subletting from some friend of Dave's. Okay, well, you know the last of the trust is in your account? I know, I, I don't need it. Of course he needed the money. All he'd done in his life was an MFA at California College of the Arts and a modest range of drugs. What he really needed was to stop talking about it. It was embarrassing that his parents funded his artwork, considering the only good piece he'd made was Octopus 7. Oh, Ty, the article about your show came out in the East Bay Express. You look sharp with that octopus. Aunt Heidi asked if you're making smaller ones. I told her, let him do his thing, but hey, there's a market. Great. His stomach turned at the thought of making another octopus that was better and different, but also the same. All right, Ty, keep living the dream. His voice sounded extra sad and raspy, like Springsteen singing Glory Days. Sure. Tyler hung up, took a swig from a bottle of warm water, and continued down the flat expanse of road. He arrived in Silver Lake late in the afternoon, and the smog gave everything a filter of light static. 
the sun had washed out the signs for Korean restaurants and pet shops to ominous pastels. Tyler parked on a wide street. The guy's tiny apartment was in a blue stucco building, third floor up a narrow staircase, and the space was mostly empty. Tyler found a box in the bathroom with one razor and a pair of knockoff Ray-Bans, plus books by the Bear Mattress, new directions in sound editing, recipes for the microwave, Bukowski's Love is a Dog from Hell. Tyler installed Octopus 7 in the center of the main room, letting the tentacles unfurl. For a minute, he tried to find a better place for it, but with the wires already snagging the carpet, it wasn't worth it. He drank mineral-tinged water from the tap, put a coil of wire on the table in the corner, a pair of pliers, a pair of heavy-duty scissors, opened the window and the dry air yawned in, smelling like the exhales of a thousand cars. The apartment was on Tularosa Drive, just blocks from where Kelsa said she lived. After he'd found the sublet, he almost told her, but then he figured, why not just go, then invite her over? Kelsa was impulsive, she'd be into it. He paced the room, wrote the text, Hey, I'm in Silver Lake right now. Want to hang out? Her abrupt move to L.A. must have been a suggestion for him to follow. She wasn't good on the phone or over text. She was like a poet, each phrase short and ambiguous. It was better to see her in person. She texted back, what? Tyler paused, trying to read this as excited or shocked. After several minutes, she said, I'm free at nine-ish. He texted her the address, stared out the window at a pink billboard with the word this and the rest obscured by buildings. The sun went down. A taco from the place down the street made the smell of beef settle into the carpet. With pliers, he bent a piece of wire into a rough shape, which ended up looking like a clothes hanger. Professor Yao had called Octopus 7 a costing and masculine, yet vulnerable. A creature stripped bare of its flesh, straining against something, he'd said. Against social pressure? Pressure to fall into the crippling morass of the economy? Octopus 7 is raw anatomy, motion, danger of feeling. Yao had stepped in front of the sculpture, staring at Tyler through his oval glasses. In your future work, he continued. I see total abstraction. Tyler had nodded, like that's what he meant all along. And maybe Yao had a point. Tyler had chosen the octopus for its constantly shifting shape. And finally he got the sculpture to look like it was twisting, thrashing, changing. It was after that critique that he'd first asked Kelsa out for a drink. A knock sent vibrations through the room and Tyler met Kelsa at the door. Hey. She wore faded overalls, like she was playing a painter in a movie. She scanned the room, eyes hovering on Octopus 7. Wait, did you move here? I'm subletting, he said, trying to catch some aspect of her in his hands. But there was a slippery tenseness about her, and she kept turning to look around the room. Um, yeah, I, I thought you were just in town. You brought this guy. 
she said, dodging Tyler, touching a pale fingertip to one of Octopus Seven's tentacles. Are you going to show it down here? Maybe. Tyler stepped behind her and held her waist, smelled deodorant and traces of turpentine. She turned, almost kissed him, then flinched, bracing cold palms on his collarbones. It's so weird that you just moved here, she said. My lease was up in Oakland. I mean, why not? Your, your pictures made it look all right. Kelsa paced the room, face sour, keeping a few feet between them. She twisted the silver ring on her right hand, and Tyler felt a vice turning on his shoulders. I'm trying to stop doing that, Kelsa said, texting people just to get a response. She looked at the floor, ripped her thumbnail with her teeth. It's fucked up that I want validation all the time, or company. I hope that's not why you moved here. No, it was for that guy. Tyler gestured to the sculpture. He wanted to be closer to the ocean. She looked at Tyler again, stepped closer, maybe to kiss him. <sighs> Look, I want to hang out, like just talk. She paced again, making it impossible to touch her. She never wanted to just talk. She was a kinetic person. That's what she always said. So I'm, I'm living alone now. It's great. I'm teaching myself how to cook. Nice, said Tyler. I have a microwave in there. Might make some hot pockets. Kelsa semi-smiled, but kept pacing, threading her fingers in the overall straps. She pointed at the scissors on the work table. Hey, you know what? Um, I have a job interview tomorrow and I need a haircut. Could you? You have scissors. What? Cut my hair. She blushed, smirked. I don't know, it was an idea. Is this too weird? Maybe I should leave. No, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll cut your hair. She wet her hair under the bathtub tap, crouching on the floor. Tyler had agreed to this without thinking and his whole body had a heartbeat in it. Kelsa wrapped a towel around her shoulders and squinted into the mirror. Just a trim, she said. I might fuck it up, said Tyler, touching the hair. He tried to push the possibility of sex from his mind, focusing on Kelsa's bitten fingernails tapping against the sink. It looks like shit anyway. Take off two inches. She seemed calmer now. He lifted a section of hair and smoothed it out, then snipped. It made a sk sound and fell to the floor, becoming limp and material, no longer part of her body. He snipped again in the front, making a sharper angle that hit at her chin. She grinned. It feels lighter, she said. Keep going. He kept smoothing the hairs and snipping. It was satisfying. So what's the job interview? I, th I thought you were painting the apocalypse. Pinkberry, the froyo. She rolled her eyes. All artists have a lame day job, right? Tyler pictured himself washing pans at the taco place. Yeah, sure. Have you done any new paintings? I will. Tyler lifted and cut strands, so they hit at different lengths, pointing out her sharp chin and neck. 
pieces on the floor began to dry, expanding into blonde whorls all over the chartreuse linoleum. When he was done, Kelsa fluffed her hair with the towel, smiled. You look hot, said Tyler, feeling his mouth get tacky around the words. Kelsa's chest retreated into her overalls. I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have asked you. What? It was pretty easy. No, it's fine, said Kelsa. Look, when I left, I I thought I thought we'd just be friends. I thought I said that, but maybe I didn't. I'm trying to be independent. Just paint, focus on the work, not the whole eating cookies in bed relationship thing. She had left town, mumbled, see you around with that distant look, like she was already remembering him fondly. I get that, he said. I'm focusing on my work, too. Exactly. Well, I have that interview first thing tomorrow. I should get out of here. Kelsa took her purse and shuffled through the sea of hair. Let me know if you have any shows coming up. See you around, Tyler said. From the bathroom, he saw Octopus Seven command the living room. With a hot swallow, he walked over and kicked the body, denting the metal. He couldn't imagine lifting it again, cramming it back into the car, and driving where? Back to the Bay Area to search Craigslist for one of the last cheap places? Sonoma to stay in his old bedroom? Couldn't imagine making sculptures in this carpeted apartment. But that's what artists did. Felt terrible and made something out of it. He would feel like it, maybe if he got a little drunk. Yeah, fuck it, he'd stay the two months. Tyler found a broom in the bathroom closet and pushed the blonde hair into a slippery pile. Tomorrow, he could build something large and hard-edged. Knives tied together with wire. Maybe a giant Richard Serra-style slab of rusted metal shaped like a shallow bowl where he could curl inside. He kept sweeping the hair, listening to mobs buzz against the fluorescent light. I loved you in a dream. The music you're hearing in this episode was sampled from the song Enough by the Bright Light Social Hour. And now for our final break. You are listening to Storybound with Anna Reeser and the Bright Light Social Hour. And now for our final chapter. Over the summer, the jacaranda trees bloomed, and the street turned purple and smelled like someone's memory of home. Tyler arranged the tools on his shelf—diffuser, defining gel, scissors. 
The salon was decorated with retro wigs and 70s film posters, and all their shampoo smelled like orange creamsicles. Even out in Van Nuys, he made okay tips. He'd learned how to wash hair, holding the base of the skull and letting warm water graze the hairline, and not talking too much, because most people wanted to close their eyes. He snipped tangled lengths, chiseled texture, and watched people in the mirror look relieved, like they had already accomplished something. The stylist with a round face and septum piercing sauntered over. Hey, I have to pick up my kid from daycare early. Can you cover my 4.30? Nope, smirked Tyler. He'd only been at the salon a few months, but he played a specific part. The tortured artist, friendly, but sarcastic. He hoped it was clear that this was a day job and a side to his art career. Right, she said, grinning. Have fun. Alone, Tyler pressed the tip of his scissors to his palm. He'd stolen them from hair school right after exams. Soon, the door chime jingled and the 4.30 walked in, slightly out of breath. She looked like Kelsa from the side, but she was lightly sunburned and made eye contact. Her name was April. I'm filling in if that's okay, said Tyler. Can you cut hair? I mean, I got my license three months ago. No, no, I was kidding. Tyler held the nape of her neck and ran the water. She looked red at him a few times. He felt his heart race for a second. Then it calmed down, and he kept massaging the shampoo into her scalp. She let out a little sigh. In the chair, with the black cape around her, she laughed. I always look like a floating head in these things. Everyone does. Tyler wanted to say something funnier, better. So I'll take off a couple inches? He held a finger close to her neck. Here? Perfect. He started the cut, scissors making the sk sound. I had a terrible day at work, she said. This will help. Right, no pressure. Tyler snipped the strand in front of her base, letting it fall to her cheekbone. He accidentally touched her chin. It was just a bad day. I, I might play hooky tomorrow and lay on the beach with a box of wheat thins. I love wheat thins. Where, where do you work? HR at Anthem Blue Cross. I take requests for standing desks and those fancy mouse pads so people don't get carpal tunnel. You like the job? I don't know. I wanted to live near the beach, so I applied for every administrative thing in LA. And they let me leave at 4 p.m. and I get free vision insurance. Yay, right? It's not the last job I'll ever have, but it's alright. I just had a gross day and I'm gonna drink a beer and not think about it. Is that healthy? Her cheeks flushed. Sorry, you're not my therapist. For several minutes, neither of them talked. She looked out the window and Tyler did the layers in the back, lifting the hair with pins. He finally asked how she normally styled it. Standard question. And she laughed and said, barely. They talked coffee, tacos, sunburn. Her voice was smooth and round, like a dinner bell, like a public radio host. When the cut was done, the blow dryer filled the room with noise and her cheeks got pink in the heat. Her hair fell around her face decisively. Awesome, 
She looked at Tyler in the mirror. You're really good at this. You're lucky you figured that out. I don't mean to be weird, I, I just... It's cool to have a thing. I'm actually a sculptor, Tyler heard himself say. His voice felt falsely low and condescending. Why bother lying to her, too? I mean, I went to school for sculpture, but I'm doing this now, basically. April's eyebrows tensed, then relaxed. Of course you're a sculptor. Hair is the thing you're sculpting. You're medium, right? And you get paid for it. Speaking of, hang on. She rifled around in her purse and Tyler let out a breath. He wasn't supposed to be fulfilled by this. He should be dead broke and sculpting out of found metal. He took the broom and swept up the delicate strands spilling across the floor. Please keep the change, she said, handing him the bills. Thank you, seriously. After she left, he splashed his face with cold water and the smell of orange shampoo filled his whole body. He sat down and thumbed through the cash. On the extra 10, April had written her phone number. That night, the sun set orange and glowed into Tyler's apartment. It cast Octopus 7 in the dramatic backlight it had always needed. He bent the arm, and with the strain it gave, even as the wires pressed dents into his hand, all looking at it did was remind him of how he'd felt like a boy genius, and how of course he wasn't. How the impulse to bend wire was replaced by a grinding anxiety in his ribs. How after years of art school, maybe his calling was cutting hair in Van Nuys. Tyler's jaw tensed, and he grabbed the arm, ripping the connecting wires from the body in a rush. His heart smacked his ribcage. It felt so good, the pain in his hands. He was making money, paying the rent, pouring coffee through his cone filter in the morning, showing up at work in a clean t-shirt. Almost satisfying, like biting into a burrito, simple gulps of starch and meat. He grabbed another arm and snapped it, then another, another, until he hit the dismembered metal cylinder with his fist, metal against his knuckles, scraping the skin. He was shaking, blood itching his limbs. Before the stinging feeling in his hands could turn into real regret, Tyler crammed the arms inside the cylinder and hefted the solid chunk of metal down the stairs, out behind the building. As Tyler set down the remains, a pale man with yellow teeth hovered by the trash bins, fixed on the tangle of metal. Tyler couldn't watch. He felt a pull at his chest. He could have sold it at that show in Oakland, two, three thousand dollars in seconds. As Tyler turned, the man dragged the scrap metal away. I loved Inside, he opened the window and sat on his chair in the freckles of orange light. He was drained. The carpet was tamped down in places where the sculpture had been, but the space was huge. 
the smell of the jacaranda trees came in as the air cooled and the traffic died down. It would be good to tell his dad what he was doing. He'd probably laugh in a short bark, the way he did when he heard something idiosyncratic. Tyler lifted a mat knife and twirled it in his hand. Was this how it happened to people? How your life gets going, making a living, watching TV at night, the whole thing tapping out in a nice rhythm, a little simple and a little sad, but that's what people did. Fidgeting, he carved a slice of wood off the table's edge and watched it curl. He cut another, revealing the raw wood under the varnish. Another cut, deeper, scooping a canyon, a ridge. He paused and blood rushed through his arms and hands. It felt good. He picked up his phone, then laid the day's tips on the work table. The bills crisp and flat, one with numbers in loops of ballpoint pen. I loved you. I loved you. And that's it. Thank you to Anna Reeser for reading her short story, Octopus 7, which was originally published in the Best American Short Stories 2020, edited by Curtis Sittenfeld. You can find more of Anna Reeser's work by heading to AnnaReeser.com. The music in this episode was sampled from the song Enough by the Bright Light Social Hour off their album Jude Volume 2. You can look them up on Spotify. That is The Bright Light Social Hour. Thank you to the podcast studio located at 300 Broadway in San Francisco, California. And thank you to Epidemic Sound. Our production coordinator is Jordan Aaron. Our mixing engineer is Tim Carplus. Storybound is scored, arranged, produced, and hosted by me, Jude Brewer. Our executive producers are Jeff Umbro of The Podglomerate and Justin Alvarez of LitHub. We have more episodes coming this season. You can find us on Instagram or on Twitter at StoryBoundPod. You can also write to me directly on Twitter at Jude Brewery. New episodes every Tuesday. We'll see you then. Universe.